It was over 20 years ago that a man in Kenya named Joseph Gambo received a gospel booklet. And after reading it, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. But not long after that, Joseph began to have this heavy burden, a desire in his heart to share that same news of salvation with others. So he contacted a Christian organization. He asked them for gospel tracts and literature. And as soon as he received them, Joseph was handing them out like crazy. Uh, House to house, village to village, mile after mile. He rode his bicycle around, giving out the gospel, regardless of the hot weather or heavy rain or tough terrain. Nothing was going to keep Joseph from reaching people for Jesus the way he himself had been reached. Well, after... About three years, it was found that around 17,000 individuals in that region had given their lives to Jesus Christ. And because there were no other known evangelists in that area, that number is largely attributed to Joseph's ministry. A ministry of faithfully, tirelessly, and diligently handing out gospel literature. Joseph Gambo, he may never have preached on a stage or led a gospel crusade, but he realized if he was faithful to share the gospel with people who lived in his area, God would do great things. And my prayer is that all of us at First Baptist Church of Oxford would believe the same thing. That we, like Joseph, would have a passionate desire to reach unbelievers with the message of the gospel that we would realize if we are simply faithful to share with the people we live amongst in our neighborhood, in our towns, in our city, that God would do great things. At the beginning of the year, I said that our emphasis as a church was going to be to reach someone with the gospel. And throughout the year, we had things like trainings where we could be equipped early in the year, how to do that. We had different events here on the campus where we could engage with the community. And it's been amazing to see the things that God has done. Early in the year, one member shared with me how she was blessed to lead a neighbor to faith in Jesus Christ. Another member told me how he led his girlfriend to the Lord. During VBS, a large number of children gave their hearts to Jesus Christ because of the faithfulness of our members to share the gospel. Others have told me how they're sharing the gospel with people that they work with and people in their families. This is what it is all about, church. Those of us who have received the forgiveness of our sins and eternal life through faith in Jesus, we should never forget what we have been rescued from and what we have been forgiven of. And we should desire to tell other people about that gospel that changed our lives and that changed our eternity. So today, on this final Sunday of the year, we're going to return to the focus we had on the first Sunday of the year. We're going to wrap up our Why It Matters sermon series with Why Evangelism Matters. We're going to do this by turning together to Matthew chapter 9. If you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there. Matthew chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, please feel free to use one of those Bibles under the chairs in front of you would like to use one of those, you can turn to page 790, making sure I had that right, page 790, Matthew chapter 9. Now, as you turn there, just to be clear, this word evangelism is used a lot in church, we use it a lot here, 
I want to be clear what we mean when we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about the proclamation of the gospel message or sharing the good news that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's what we're talking about when we talk about evangelism. My prayer is that we will be challenged and encouraged to continue this pursuit of sharing the gospel together. Matthew chapter 9, let's begin in verse 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And keep your place right here in Matthew chapter 9. We're going to come back to it this morning. Let's look at our Savior's heart here in these few verses that we just read. We're told that Jesus was going through all the towns, the villages. He was preaching, teaching, healing the sick. Word was spreading quickly about Jesus. Many people were coming to see him and hear him and be healed by him. And in the midst of all of this, we find that Jesus wasn't high-fiving the disciples about their attendance numbers. He wasn't basking in the popularity that he was having with all the people. Instead, we find that he looked at all these people and he was filled with compassion. I think for a lot of us, when we hear that word compassion, we we tend to think of this calm and tender sympathy or or sorrow. And it can mean those things, but but the Greek word translated here as compassion, it's, it's much deeper than that. It's stronger. It's more intense. Uh, It's best understood as this deep feeling of discomfort, of agony, born from love that pained the heart of our Savior. In other words, Jesus was heartbroken and torn up at what he saw. I mean, he saw all these people made in the image of God who were just wandering through life without a clue. They were lost in sin. They were on the broad path that leads to eternal destruction, spiritually blind, and they were unaware of just how far they were separated from God. And so Jesus was filled with compassion for them. In fact, this compassion is what brought him to this earth in the first place. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas. It was that deep love and heartache for our lost souls that brought the Savior from heaven to earth. And when the Savior stood on this earth, he saw these people chasing after all the wrong things. They were harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I mean, those who were supposed to be their spiritual shepherds, their guides, like the Pharisees, they were just as spiritually blind. So these people, they were stumbling through life without any spiritual Hope. And Jesus saw past their hunger. He saw past their sickness. He saw past their relationship issues, their job issues. And he saw the ultimate problem in their lives, which is that they were headed for an eternity separated from him in hell. He saw their deepest need, and he desired that they would come to him for salvation. But church, what do we see when we look at people? when we look at crowds of people and 
in our towns, shopping malls and town squares? What do we see? Because I'll be honest with you, I, uh, I don't like crowds. I don't like crowds. New York City, I've been there one time, and one time was enough for me. <laughs> I don't like to go Black Friday shopping. I avoid it at all costs. And the reason is because when I'm in a crowd and I look around, I just see people who are in my way of getting where I need to be. And so they need to move. But that's because when I'm in a crowd, I'm thinking about me. But when Jesus saw the crowds, he was thinking about them. And he was thinking about their needs. And their greatest need was to be saved from sin and hell. When was the last time we saw people that way? When was the last time we were in a crowd or we were with unsaved family and friends and our hearts were torn up inside because we realized that they were spiritually blind, chasing all the wrong things in life, that they were headed for an eternity separated from God? Did it break our hearts? You see, evangelism matters because people need Jesus. Every person needs Jesus. Let's not forget that at one time, we too, believers, we were in that crowd of spiritually lost sinners until the day that we met the Savior of our souls. And there are many people out there who still need him and haven't met him. They need Jesus, but they don't know that because they've never been told that. They don't know that their sin is separating them from Jesus. They don't know that the, the just consequence for their sin is an eternity in hell. They don't know that Jesus came to set them free from all these things. They don't know these things because they haven't been told these things. But if we have true compassion in our hearts for the lost, well, then nothing is going to keep us from sharing the gospel with them. Which means that if we aren't sharing the gospel, we must not have true compassion for the lost, not like our Savior had. And if we don't have that compassion in our lives, then that means we have some heart issues we need to bring before the Lord, believers. Good example for us is the Apostle Paul. Many of us know that the Apostle Paul is a great proclaimer of the gospel. And one of the things that drove Paul was the heart that he had for lost people. I want you all to see an example of this. I love this example. If you're following along, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 9, but keep your place in Matthew. Romans chapter 9, if you're using one of the Bibles here in the sanctuary, you can turn to page 917. Really pay attention to what Paul says here in Romans 9, beginning in verse 1. He said, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sonship. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. He said, I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. 
Understand, Paul, Paul isn't saying that we can give up our salvation for the sake of others. No, he's trying to explain the depth of his heartache, this heavy burden that he felt for the unsaved, to the point that he wished he could trade places with all the lost Israelites. Now, Paul knew that that wasn't a possibility, of course. So in that unceasing anguish in his heart, he instead dedicated himself to sharing the gospel until his dying day. But I wanted us to look at his example, because this is a great example for us to see and then ask, do I have a burden like that for unbelievers? Do I have unceasing anguish in my heart, knowing that many people are going to be separated from Jesus. First Baptist Church, you see, when we truly begin to grasp how much people need Jesus, how many people need Jesus, and how often we're around people who need Jesus, well, maybe then we'll start to truly, truly have compassion for others. And that compassion is necessary for us to be faithful witnesses of the gospel. We must recognize the spiritual need and be heartbroken for the lost. Only then will we seek every opportunity to share the gospel with others. Back to Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. So that Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And Jesus looked at his disciples, he said, the the harvest out there is, is ripe, it's ready, it's plentiful. But you know what happens when a farmer ignores the harvest field? All that ripe produce that's out there? Well, if he doesn't reap it, eventually it dies. It becomes worthless. You can't eat it. You can't store it. There's really nothing to do with it. It just dies. And Jesus is saying that there are all these souls out there waiting to be gathered into the kingdom of God. But believers, while we spend all this time standing around and moving through the motions of life, ignoring the spiritual needs of others, people are out there dying, and they're entering an eternity separated from God. The harvest is plentiful. There are lost people all around us, and evangelism matters because the harvest is big. It is. The harvest is big. A couple years ago, in the midst of another evangelism emphasis here that was called Who's Your One, we encouraged everyone to identify one person, one person. Some of you are here for this, one person in your life who you would intentionally pray for and look for opportunities to share the gospel with. Well, shortly after we launched this emphasis, a couple members were talking to me and they told me that, that they didn't have any unsaved people that they knew in their lives. So I told them that even if they didn't know any personally, the truth is that unsaved people are all around them in their lives. They work at the grocery store that we go to every week. They come to our places of work, our gyms, our favorite coffee shops. They're our neighbors. Rest assured, the harvest is plentiful. There are unbelievers all around us. But, Jesus said, the workers are few. You see, the problem isn't the lack of people to share the gospel with. The problem is the lack of people sharing the gospel. So Jesus said to his disciples that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And let's notice the fact that he said that to his disciples. Jesus didn't look at the disciples and say, well, the harvest is plentiful, and you, you're all I need. You future apostles, you're going to do it all, all on your own. We think that sounds kind of silly, but... 
Isn't that how we think about evangelism sometimes? Like it's just for the select few. So it's okay if I don't take part. We need to stop thinking that the harvest field is only for apostles or pastors or missionaries or evangelists. We need to stop thinking that. We need to realize that Jesus didn't say the televangelists were few. He said the workers are few. This isn't surprising. The harvest field is large. There are always going to be many people who need the gospel. What did Jesus say in Matthew 7? He said, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. There's always going to be a lot of unbelievers for us to reach, but rather than be discouraged by thinking that the task is just too great, instead we should look with eagerness and compassion to help the many souls out there waiting to hear the good news. And we can do that by sharing the good news with them. And as we look out at this large harvest with eyes of compassion, Jesus gives us one very practical way we can respond in verse 38. He said, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus, he never intended for the disciples to do this on their own. True, they became powerful proclaimers of the gospel. They were the ones who turned the world upside down with the message of salvation. But Jesus told them long before that to start praying that the Lord would send out workers into the field. Because the harvest is great. It's going to take many hands to reap. So one way that we can respond is by praying the Lord would raise up believers to be bold proclaimers of the gospel message. So understand, evangelism matters, and it matters for us to talk about because more workers are needed to engage in it. More workers are needed today, just like more workers were needed in Jesus' day when he said this to his disciples. And one way we can respond is by praying the Lord would send workers out into the harvest field. We should pray that God would lay on the hearts of fellow believers to go to the lost all over the world, all over the country, and in our community. And it all starts with the heart of compassion, like we saw earlier. If our hearts truly break and overflow with a desire to see people be saved, then we'll pray the gospel go out powerfully all over the place. I think, though, that sometimes living in America and living in this part of the country, we get so used to seeing churches on every corner that the lost, those who haven't been reached with the gospel, they're kind of the last ones on our mind. We forget that there are people all over the world who have never heard the gospel even once. There's a Christian organization called the Joshua Project that keeps track of some of these unreached people. And according to the Joshua Project, there are currently 7,399 unreached people groups when it comes to the gospel. 7,399 unreached people groups. Now, these are groups where the presence of professing Christians are either minimal or non-existent. So because of that, there's no way for them to hear the gospel. And so that we don't think that unreached people group are just these isolated tribes way out there in the wilderness, that's, that's not what it's limited to when we talk about unreached people groups. In fact, 
the largest unreached people group in the world today are the Sheikh people in Bangladesh. And that group is made up of over 125 million people who are almost exclusively comprised of adherence to Islam. Finding a Christian in the midst of them is very difficult, if you can find one at all. So, believers, the, the harvest field is plentiful. It's big. But not just in foreign countries, even here in America. Even in a highly churched place like Sumter County, the lost are all over the place. They really, really are. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are still few. So believers, let's engage in evangelism, the proclamation of the gospel message, and one way we can do that is by praying the Lord would send more workers. But let's not fall into the trap of thinking, well, that's all i got to do. I've just got to pray for other people to go. It sounds like I'm off the hook. I don't have to share myself. Because I know it's easy for us to think that, but when we do, we, we miss the point. Yeah, praying for workers is part of engaging in the message and mission of the gospel, but it's just not the only part God intends for us to play. In fact, when we begin to pray diligently for the lost, out of heartfelt compassion for them, we'll soon find that God is stirring up our heart to go and share with them. And when we truly desire to see people coming to salvation, we'll see that the Lord is bringing unsaved people into our own lives to share with. We'll find that we are becoming one of those people that God is sending to share the message of the gospel. The Lord will open our eyes to these things. You see, this, this is not about praying from the sidelines, but praying from the front lines. After all, the disciples were supposed to pray this as they themselves went out and shared the gospel. But they weren't praying for people to do the work, they were praying for fellow workers. That's what we should be praying for, fellow workers, co-workers, people to come and join in this effort with us. So believers, I would encourage you, pray that the Lord would send workers in the harvest field, but don't be surprised when he tells you, you are one of those people that he is sending. And by the way, this week I was praying that he would send each of you into the harvest field. See, because the truth is, there are people in your lives that I can't reach, that the other pastors here can't reach, there are people in your lives, and you may be the only believer in their life. So pray, pray that the Lord would send workers in the harvest field. I would encourage you to pray that the Lord would open your eyes to how you can be used in the harvest field. This year might be coming to an end, but our desire to reach people with the gospel shouldn't be coming to an end. But we should desire to reach someone every single day. That's what Joseph Gambo did. And as a result, he impacted thousands of lives. So what could God do through us, church, if we were faithful to share the gospel every time we had the opportunity? What could he do through us? Let's pray together for the lost. Let's pray for fellow workers to share the gospel. Let's pray the Lord would give us opportunities to share. We'll have opportunities to do this as a church next year, but why wait? Evangelism matters. Understand this truth this morning, church, is this, that when compassion for the lost fills our hearts, that's when we'll be found faithfully sharing the gospel. 
when compassion for the lost fills our hearts, that's when we'll be found faithfully sharing the gospel. And here is where a lot of us need to evaluate some things. Do we have compassion for the lost? If so, we'll be sharing the gospel. If we're not sharing the gospel, what does that mean? I mean, we're not truly heartbroken for the lost. If that's the case, we need to go to the Lord in prayer about that. Pray that he would give us that burden. He would help us to see people the way that he sees them. If we do have a burden for the lost, then we need to go to the Lord in prayer today and ask that he would send someone into our lives today, this week, that we could share with. That he would open our eyes to those open opportunities he is giving us. Maybe, maybe some of you here this past year, you were blessed to take part in the harvest in a wonderful way. Maybe you were blessed to be a part of leading someone to Jesus Christ. Maybe you shared the gospel with someone and you planted that gospel seed in their heart and now that person is just a little closer to giving their life to Jesus. Maybe this year, if you were honest, you would admit that you were on the sideline the whole time. But wherever you've been so far this past year, let's all choose to go into the harvest field together this next year, church. Let's be fellow workers for the sake of the gospel, and let's do that together. If you're here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, maybe you've been hearing some of this and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not harassed and helpless. I'm not spiritually blind. If that's what you're feeling, I just want you to know that even if you don't feel that way, the truth is still that you are walking in a life of sin separated from Jesus. And I need you to understand the harsh reality that if Jesus is not your Savior in this life, that after this life you will be separated forever from Him in a place called hell. That's the harsh reality. The sweet reality is that Jesus Christ took the penalty for me and you. That He came and died on the cross for your sins and mine. That He took all that wrath. That He didn't stay in the grave but rose from the dead and that right now, Jesus is waiting to forgive you of all your sins and to give you eternal life, to bring you into a relationship with him. So the invitation is there. The question is, will you accept it? Friend, if you're ready to do that, please understand the Bible says in Romans 10.9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you've never made that decision, I pray that today you would. If you have made that decision, I pray you would go and share that with someone when we finish here this morning. If you haven't made that decision, please know you can do it right now, or you can come and find me during the invitation time. We can talk about this. Let's pray together. Friend, if that is you, you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, you don't want to wait for the invitation, please know you can do that right now, wherever you're sitting. You can go to Jesus Christ in prayer and admit to him that you, you know you're a sinner. But that you know he died on the cross for you. That you believe he didn't stay in the grave but rose from the dead. And you can give him your life. And friend, Jesus will forgive you. And he'll save you. Dear Heavenly Father, for those of us who have made that decision... I pray that we would never, never forget what you've forgiven us of. That we would never forget what you've rescued us from. 
and that in our overwhelming joy and gratitude for these things, we would never forget to share that message with someone. There are lost people all around us. Open our eyes to that. Help us to see people the way that our Savior sees people. Help us to be heartbroken for the lost and to look for every opportunity to share the gospel. And Father, help us to do that together. That's the blessing of joining together as a church, that we can go out into the harvest field side by side. As often as we have those opportunities, help us to do that. But help us never to be afraid or ashamed to go out there and share the gospel. Even if no one else is by our side, we know that you are always with us, Jesus. Because you said you would be with us till the end of the age. Help us to trust that promise and share the gospel as often as we can. Jesus, we love you. But you proved 2,000 years ago when you came to this earth and died for our sins that you love us more. We thank you for that. I pray if there's anyone here who still hasn't made that decision to give their life to you, I pray they'd be willing to come and talk to me during this invitation time. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.